Well, good evening, everybody. It has been an amazing retreat so far. I am so blessed to be here. Um, my name is Lydia, and I am the pastor's wife at Tooele Springs Calvary Chapel. And you're like, where in the world is Tooele? <laughs> it is in Utah. We are 30 miles west of Salt Lake City. And so anyways, me and my husband have been there for about two and a half years. We are originally from Kathy's home church, Joshua Springs. Um, my dad is a pastor there, Gerald Hagerman. And um, I am married. I've been married for 17 years to an amazing, handsome, wonderful man. And uh, we have three boys. So my boys are 13, 12, and 10. So we are busy and we have all the time. So um, it's no girls in my house. I get no both. I get no girl time. I get all boys. So I love my girl time. <laughs> so I've been loving this weekend. If you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16 is where we're going to be tonight for part of our study in Matthew 16. I have a little funny story i got to start off with while you're turning to Matthew 16. So this whole retreat's about follow me, and we were talking about be careful, you know who you follow. So we're somewhere in nowhere, Idaho, literally nowhere. There is no towns, there is no nothing, and we're driving through from Pocatello to here. So that tells you what road we're on. I don't even remember now. But anyways, we're driving, and there's two trucks in front of me. And I'm driving, i got three girls with me, and I'm like, he's slowing down. And I'm seeing him like get his right blinker on and I'm like, okay, he's turning. Thank goodness I can get around him. It's a two lane road, you know? And uh, next thing you know, he doesn't turn. I'm like, dang it. So we keep driving and the next thing you know, his left blinker's on and I think he's turning left. And I'm like, dude, this guy is really confused. I'm like, he, first he's turning right, then he's turning left. He really must not know where he's going. And my co-pilots there told me, Lydia, he's towing that truck and his flasher lights are on. <laughs> I can only see one side, then the other, but th so be careful who you follow, because you know you may be really confused if you're watching the wrong thing, like I was. So anyways, we want to follow Jesus, and that is our theme. So if you, if you, everybody's to Matthew 16, let's begin in verse number 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So I want to give you a little bit of background about this statement that Jesus makes here. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In the same chapter, just a few verses before, Jesus had asked his disciples a very important question. He said, who do men say that I am? And they had all these answers. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're this and that. And then he said an even more important question. He said, who do you say that I am, which is a question that each one of us has to answer for ourselves. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? And Peter pipes up in this great moment of faith for, for Peter, and he says, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus praises him. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, and goes this whole thing. And shortly after that, just a few verses below, Peter's great confession of faith, Jesus begins to tell his disciples that they're on their way to Jerusalem. And when he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to suffer many things, and he's going to die, and that he will rise again on the third day. And if you remember, good old Peter, you know, just had a great moment of victory, but then Peter, he, he comes to the Lord, and he begins to rebuke the Lord. And he says, far be it from you, Lord, that this should happen to you. And what does the Lord say? He says, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Because one of the biggest temptations that Jesus faced on this earth, I can imagine, is the idea from Satan that he did not have to go to the cross. Because do you not think that Jesus knew exactly what awaited him in Jerusalem? That they would beat him, 
that they would scourge him and that they would nail him to a cross. This is why in the Garden of Gethsemane, on his knees, he is pleading with the Father and he's saying, if there is any other way for mankind to be saved, can this cup pass from me? What does Jesus, what does the Father say? Or what does Jesus say then to the Father though? He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Three times he prays that prayer because the reality is he knew what awaited him in Jerusalem. And here is Peter, his own disciple, saying, Lord, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go to the cross. But you know what? Jesus did have to go to the cross. Why did the Father not answer with another solution? Because he was the Lamb of God sent to take away the whole world's sin. And it was necessary that he die on the cross to forgive you and me. And it is right after this little dialogue that has just happened where he makes this statement to his disciples. He's just told them he is going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to die. He tells Peter, you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And he follows that by saying, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And I love that because in that statement that he makes, he says, if. That's an important word there. You see, he gives every single person a choice. If anyone desires to come after me. You see, you don't have to come after Jesus. He doesn't force you to follow him. You know, it's not really following if he puts a choke call around my neck and he drags me where he wants me to go. That's not following, right? That's not a choice. Following is when I willfully follow after somebody. And he says, if, a choice that you and I have to make, if we decide to follow Jesus, he says, then you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So following him is a choice. And once we've made that choice in our life, there's some things that he says are must that we have to do. And it's deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. The other place where it says it says follow him daily, because this is a daily process. And for me in my life, I have been following the Lord from a young age. I grew up a PK, um, and I know we have bad rap, you know, but <laughs> we're not all bad. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I grew up in the ministry. I grew up around the Lord and uh, in church my whole life. However, I did at a young age develop my own relationship with the Lord. Well, I got married at 18 years old, so I was young when I got married. I immediately started helping my mom in women's ministry, and I, that's where Kathy and I, we served together for a lot of years there in women's ministry at Joshua Springs. And so anyways, I, I, I developed this relationship with the Lord. So I've been following the Lord for a long time. Um, and me and my husband, we met when he came to Bible college at our church. So our church um, uh, had this Bible college, and Chris got there day one, and my dad's like, Lydia, this is Chris. <laughs> Let me arrange your marriage now. Uh, we like him. So anyways, I, I do. I, I'm all for arranged marriages now that I have three sons, just so you know. So anybody got any 13, 12, and 10-year-olds, you know, that uh, love the Lord, let me know. No. Anyway, so we met at Bible college. We got married, and my husband went right into the ministry at our home church. So he had been the children's ministry pastor there for 15 years, done a lot of different things. We did a lot of couples ministry, and he did a lot of counseling. He was involved in our Christian school, did a lot of administrating responsibilities and things like that at our Christian school. And then I had uh, led women's ministry at our church, and my kids had started preschool at our K-12 through Christian school, or I guess our preschool through 12 uh, Christian school, and had been going there since they were old enough to attend. And pretty much our whole lives were wrapped up at Joshua Springs in some way or another, and we had a great life. We had, um, things were comfortable there. All my family's there. I'd been in Yucca Valley since I was 10 years old, and really never thought we'd go anywhere. And about four years ago, 
um, my dad came over one night and he was talking about um, some of you might know Mike and Cheryl Yost who are pastoring Calvary Chapel Rupert they were coming home from the mission field and dad was talking about finding a church for him or somewhere for him to plant a church and mentioned Williston North Dakota and we're sitting there talking and all of a sudden my husband pipes up and he says what about me would you ever consider sending me and my jaw hits the floor. I'm like, what about you? <laughs> He's like, well, I don't know. Like, I, what, would, would you ever consider sending me? And dad's like, I, well, I, I guess I could, you know, if you felt like the Lord was calling you. And I just, I just had never dawned on me. I never even pictured my life anywhere but at Joshua Springs. And so um, it was shocking, obviously, at first. And um, God began to, to um, despite my uh, digging in my heels and saying, this is just a phase, it's going to go away, <laughs> you know, he's going to get over this, God began to work in my heart that he was doing a new thing in our family, you know, and I began to, to really seek the Lord. And um, it was neat because um, Williston, North Dakota, I don't know if any of you guys are from North Dakota or anything about North Dakota, but it's, it's like in the middle of nowhere, literally nowhere. You fly and then you drive and then there's a whole bunch of nothing. And anyways, but we were like, okay, Lord, if that's where you're calling us to go, there's this huge oil boom going on. So there's tons of people there that need Jesus. And there's no churches there. Dad knew a lady who was living there who wanted, you know, needed a church there. So we all fly to Williston, North Dakota, my husband and my dad and his wife. And uh, we're, we're looking around and there's no housing. It's super expensive um, because of the oil boom. So the gal living there, she starts looking for anything, a, a floor of a house, a hotel, a whatever, a trailer, something that we can live in um, to go start a church there. And when we were driving home or we were going back to the airport, I was dead silent in the car, which is saying something, okay? Because <laughs> if I am quiet, something is wrong. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, and my dad is, you know, my dad is quite the visionary. And so he's like, Lydia, we get you a trailer. And there's this, like, parking lot 20 miles outside of town, and you can just, we can have you stay there for a while until we can find you a place. I'm like, Dad, I am from Southern California. When it hits 65, I am freezing. And no, do, no way do I think that I can live with my three boys in a trailer in negative 40 degrees. I just thought, this is not going to work for me. But I did tell the Lord, and I did tell my dad. I said, honestly, Dad, I am willing. I am willing to go if this is where he's calling me. I just need him to tell me that this is where I am supposed to go. And if he says, move my family and go to Wilson, North Dakota in negative 40 degree weather and live in a trailer, I will do that. Don't, I don't think I'll, anyone will survive, including me, but I will do it. <laughs> So honestly, my heart was at that moment, Lord, whatever you want to do, even though it was completely different than how I saw my life going, you know, when I was younger, or even six months before that. And so we prayed about it and the door to Williston just never opened. It was like we were looking for housing. The gal that was living there was looking for housing every day. And one day, six months later, she called us and she's like, well, I don't live in Wilson, North Dakota anymore. I moved back to Twin Falls, Idaho. <laughs> I was like, it, but for us, it was the final closed door. It was like, okay, Lord, you are not calling us. We've been looking, nothing's happening. And for my husband, he was really crushed because he thought, you know what? Maybe God doesn't want to use me. You know, maybe he can't use me. And that's why this door closed, you know? And so it was a little bit of a hard transition, but God had not taken away the feeling from either one of us that we were going to go somewhere, sometime, someday. We didn't know where. And uh, Marilee, my stepmom, she had done a retreat for um, Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake City um, in that fall. And uh, Allison, the pastor's wife there, had mentioned to Marilee that there was a need for a church in a little town called Tooele in Utah. And they had about 10 families that were driving from Tooele into Salt Lake City every Sunday. And um, there was you know, no Bible teaching church there in Tooele. And so um, Marilee comes home and she's like, you ever heard of Twilla, Utah? I'm like, never. I've never even been to Utah. And so we began to kind of look it up on the internet. So if I called 
Allison, the pastor's wife, and they're like, why don't you guys come up and meet with us? And so we did. We went up and met with Terry and Allison. I don't know if any of you guys know Pastor Terry, but he's quite the character. And he sits Chris and I down, and he's like, all right, I got one question for you. I'm like, what's that? And he goes, is, God, are, is Joshua Spring sinning you, or are they getting rid of you? <laughs> I said, well, I am the pastor's only daughter, so I think he's sending us. And so we, we immediately hit it off. But we did drive through Tooele, kind of take a look at it. And on the way home, we had left Tooele about an hour before, and I just started bawling. I just started crying in the car. My husband's like, what's wrong? And I said, I know that I know that I know that we're moving to Tooele, Utah. I said, I just know we are. And I knew what all that meant for me, too. I knew that meant me leaving everything that was comfortable and cushy and cozy about my life and taking a huge step of faith. I knew that it meant taking my kids from this safe little Christian school where they had been since preschool and putting them in public school for the first time in their lives in a community that on paper is 90% LDS. I knew that I was taking them from uh, um, all their family, all of their cousins, and all of that, and I begin to think about all these things, and you know, I, I knew and I had a peace, but at the same time, I was just going, but, but what if, and but what if, and but what if, and but what if, what if my kids grow up, and you know, I'm thinking of all the worst case scenarios and all of these things, and it was so neat because, you know, the Lord just spoke so clearly to my heart, and he said, Lydia, if I am calling you to Tooele, Utah, I am also calling your boys to Tooele, Utah, and I was like, you're right, Lord, you're right, and you're going to take care of them. And it was this amazing thing because this time when we went to Tooele, everything really just kind of started to fall into place. And I was sitting there one Sunday, and when we, we had gotten home, and I was sitting there on a Sunday morning, and I'd been kind of struggling still, like back and forth. Like, but life here is really good. You know, everything's fine. We don't really need to go anywhere right away. We could wait, you know, and I'm thinking of all these things. And I'm really trying to come up with reasons why we shouldn't leave, you know. And uh, I had a lot of them why we shouldn't leave. But, you know, the Lord was letting me up the hook. And I'm sitting there on Sunday morning, and these thoughts are kind of coming like, I'm just going to back out of this whole thing and forget it ever happened, you know. And uh, I'm sitting there on Sunday morning, and Dad just happened to be, you know, teaching a section of Scripture. And he said, you know what? He said, when the Lord comes to you, and he asks for fruit, and you won't give it, it is fruit that will rot on the vine. And it just pierced my heart. And the Lord showed me that would be me. He said, if you don't go, I'm calling for fruit in your life. I'm asking for you to step out and bear fruit for me, and you have a choice to bear much fruit for me or to be that fruit that gets stale and rots on the vine because I wasn't willing to step out in faith and to follow the Lord where he was leading. And so at that point, is, it was neat because God just did. He, he, I love the Lord because he loves us, and he knows our fears, and he knows how our brains work, and he knows what's going to minister to us tonight. We go to the pastor's wives retreat shortly after that, and it was funny because Kathy was there, a bunch of my friends are there, you know, pastor's wives and stuff, and they all, like about every session, were just like, looking down at me because it was like the whole pastor's wives retreat was like Lydia needs to hear this you know it was all so specific to me moving to Utah and so God had just confirmed and confirmed the doors flew open in Utah we found a house it was a 30-day escrow we were in Tooele Utah in February 12 degrees was what what the temperature was when we moved into our house it was two in the morning we had a foot of ice in our driveway two feet of snow I'm like I am I don't even know what to do we didn't even own a snow shovel okay we didn't own a lawnmower we are from the desert and so we my husband is at three in the morning running and buying salt to salt our driveway it was quite hysterical our neighbors probably thought we were crazy 
But we move into, into Utah, and I don't know a soul. For the first time in my life, I don't know not one person. Because even when I, I was raised in Kansas till I was 10, then we moved to California. But when we moved to California, like I was the pastor's daughter, you know, so I already kind of knew, everybody knew who I was. I may not know everybody, but I wasn't really new, so to say. And here in Tooele, I knew no one, not a soul. And I would go to the grocery store and it was the weirdest feeling because I didn't know a single person. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing. You know, I've never been new, new like that in my whole life. And so um, we started out our church in our home at first. Um, so we did that for about six months. And um, God was so faithful because a gal from our home church felt called to move with us and do our children's ministry. So from day one, we had children's ministry. She lived with us and, uh, and did the kids in our basement while we were meeting upstairs. And then about six months after doing that, God called a young couple from our home church, um, Destiny, who sang the beautiful song earlier today, a cappella, after Kathy's message. Um, they were ministering at Joshua Springs, and she was doing worship for me on Tuesday nights for the ladies, and Tommy was doing youth for the junior high wonderful young Christian couple who wanted to go somewhere and serve the Lord. And they had gone to a couple different churches and ended up coming to Tooele and said that this is where God was calling them, which was such a good thing because my husband and I are not musical at all. <laughs> our worship team on Wednesday nights was literally our iPhone speakers and Chris Tomlin, you know, <laughs> with my iPod plugged in. But you, they moved up there and did the same thing, left their family, left everything that was comfortable, and they moved up to Tula to partner with us in this ministry. And so two years ago, we started our first Sunday on September 1st. And it was so awesome because after our first Sunday, we had to knock out the wall of the suite we were in and rent the second suite next to us. And God has been so amazing since we moved to Tula. It has been the biggest blessing. My husband has... I, the gifts that God is developing in him are amazing. I sit there every Sunday morning, and I'm just so beyond blessed by what God has done in and through him. And it would not have happened had we stayed in our comfy little cushy place in California. The work that God's doing in my heart and life. And, and it was a huge flip-flop for Chris and I because at Joshua Springs, I was always like super busy and had all these things going on and whatever. And then we moved to Tula and now he's super busy. And he's, and my big job is to make the coffee. <laughs> that's like, that's like the extent of, of my, uh, my role in this whole thing. But it was so neat because God has brought, there was a group of people there in Tooele who had been praying for years for a church. And God was going to send somebody to Tooele. If we had said no, somebody was going to go there and meet that need. However, God chose us and he saw fit that he would send us there. And we are so blessed every day to get to be a part of teaching God's word and watching people get saved and being a part of our community and being a light. I, I work for a wonderful orthodontist and I, I tell you from day one that I was there, I met some awesome people who are now coming to church and, um, and I'm an anomaly there. They're like, wait a minute, <laughs> you are not like the other ones and why are you different and how do you know the Bible? And they ask me tons of questions and it's so cool because you know what? God is using our family. He's using my kids, you know, in a way that he wouldn't have had they been in the safe little Christian school where they never had their faith challenged ever, you know? And so it's been an incredible experience over the last two years to see what God's doing. And I'm so grateful because I was raised in the ministry and my parents were an amazing model for Chris and I. When I was about the age my kids are, my parents packed up from Kansas where all their family lived, where they were pastoring this comfy, cushy little church, and they moved to the middle of nowhere in the desert in California and left everything to go serve him there. And they followed him. And you know, for me in my life, that always ministered to me. Even before I was, ever thought God would call me somewhere, I always watched my parents' example in that. And I thought, oh my gosh, it took so much faith 
to leave everything that was comfortable and to leave your family and to move them somewhere. And it was so funny because we were in Williston. You know, I saw him, you're having a hard time. Dad's talking about living in trailers and all that. And I was like, Dad, I am not packing up my family and moving them to Williston, North Dakota without knowing where I'm going to live. He's like, your mom did. I was like, and at this point in time, she already, she already went to heaven to be with the Lord. So she wasn't here to like, you know, to, to tell me otherwise. And I said, I do not believe you. I do not believe you that my mother packed up four kids when we were 10 years old and drove us to California without knowing where she was going to live. And he goes, she did. But my dad is rose-colored glasses, man. You know, he kind of reinvents the past. So I am not believing him. And I get home and I'm talking to Debbie, who's been the secretary sperm before we were even there. She's here with us tonight. And I'm like, my dad, but I'm telling her. And I said, she said, he said that my mom packed up without even knowing where they're going to live. She goes, she did. <laughs> I was like, okay, she has more faith than me. What can I say? <laughs> but you know what my parents had done? Earlier on in their life, when they had first become Christians, they had made a pact with each other and with the Lord. And they had signed it in their Bible. And I, I, I always remember what they had wrote. But they, my dad wrote this. I have decided to follow Jesus. No matter what, no matter where, no matter how, we will trust and obey. And they both signed their names on that. And you know what? They did that. That, that trust and obey would take them to California. And I remember when my mom went home to be with the Lord. Sorry. I remember my dad re-signing this in his Bible. Because life had changed and things were different. And you know what? He had to make a choice. Am I going to continue to follow the Lord even though my wife of 31 years has gone home to be with the Lord? And you know what he did? He recommitted this to the Lord. I have decided to follow Jesus no matter what, no matter how, no matter why, no matter when. I will trust and obey. And I want to tell you, life has not always been easy, but life has always been blessed. For me as a kid growing up, my life was blessed because God was faithful to my parents for following him. And I'll tell you what, my life today is so blessed. I love Tooele. I live in a beautiful place. I have an amazing home. I have a great job. My kids have adjusted well. My husband's doing amazing. Our church is awesome. I have sisters and brothers in the Lord that are just so amazing there. And God has been so good and so faithful. And I would have missed out on so much if my fear and the whole, you know, you get your plan and you think you know how life is going to go. And then all of a sudden it's like, sharp left turn, you know. Had I not been willing to follow the Lord, well, where would I be right now? I mean, where would Chris be right now? Would we even still be in the ministry? I don't know. But I know I am super thankful that I chose to trust and obey and follow the Lord because it is a blessed life. And in the verse that we're talking about, it says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And I want to tell you, ladies, this is hard for me. I think if we're all honest, it's hard for all of us to deny ourselves. And I'll tell you what that word deny there means. It means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's interests. And isn't that such a great definition that we, you and I, when we're following hard after the Lord, it does require you and I to lose sight of ourself, of our plans, of our dreams, of our things that we hold on to. And as we deny ourselves, and the reality of it is for me in my life, 
when I am unhappy with my life, I'll tell you what it is. It's because everything is about me, 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 me. Me is not happy. Me doesn't have this. Me, me, me. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't take very long of focusing on myself before I am so miserable. And it's the same for every single one of us. But that's exactly because Jesus is saying, do the exact opposite. Deny yourself. Forget yourself. Forget your interests. Forget your dreams. Forget your plans and follow me. And when I do that, when I adopt his priorities for my life and his ambitions for my life, and I'm following so close to him that I lose sight of my own ambitions, I'll tell you what, there's such great joy there. Paul said, for I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but him who lives in me. And the reality is that's what he's called each and every one of us to, that we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him no matter what, no matter why, no matter where, no matter how, because it is a blessed life. And he follows that on in verse 25, and he says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And here's the reality. You want victory in your life? You want joy in your life? Lose it. Lose it in Jesus Christ. Be about your father's business. Be busy about the Lord's business because I'll tell you what, when you lose your life in Christ, that is when you find joy. That is when you find peace. Not when you spend all your time on me, 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 me. Because I'll tell you what, we all do it. I mean, every single one of us. But here he's saying, listen, you want to be happy? You want to have joy in your life? Lose it. Lose it in me. And it goes on, it says in verse 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his work. Here he says, you know what? If you desire to gain the whole world, you're going to lose everything. Because here's what happens in life. So oftentimes, the enemy lies to us. And he tries to distract us. That was one of the things out of Kathy's message that just like kind of nailed me square in the head was this, how oftentimes distraction is more dangerous than discouragement. And for me, it's true. If, if I can be busy about my own things, you know, I'm busy about my job and I'm busy about my house and I'm busy about buying this and I'm busy about this and I'm, I got all this busyness, but really it doesn't have anything to do with Christ. You know, I'm busy about the world's business. And obviously we all need jobs and houses and all that kind of stuff. But however, if this is our focus, if this is our ambition, if this is our drive every day, and we're going after the things of the world, at the end of the day, you know what? We're going to be miserable. We're going to have no joy. We're going to have no life in us. We're going to be exhausted all the time. Why? Because I'm spending my time. I'm spending my efforts. I'm spending everything on the things of this world. And the Bible says the things of this world are passing away. But what is not passing away? It's those things of eternity. And it's so funny because I had it in my notes. The only thing that you and I get to take to heaven is people. That's it. In the grand scheme of things, really, that's all that matter is that people know about Jesus Christ. And the reality of it is if God called me to Tooele, Utah, and one person was going to get saved, was that enough? Absolutely. Would everything be worth it? You better believe it because that's one more person who's not in hell but is in heaven for all of eternity. And you know what? When I stand before God at the end of my life, he says here, when I come back, I have a reward for each one according to his work. And I want to tell you, I want eternal rewards. I want to be living for those things that last forever. I don't want to be spending my life on all the things of the world that pass away. And we oftentimes miss blessings of serving the Lord because we choose the passing pleasures of this life that have no substance, that are passing away. And yet the Lord's saying, hey, listen, get your eyes back on eternity. 
because that's really what matters is heaven and the rewards that wait you there and getting people to heaven with you. Because let me tell you people, there's a whole lost and dying world out there that needs to hear about Jesus. But as long as I'm blinded by my own little world and my own little comforts and my own little family and my own little job and my own little house and my own little everything, I'm not doing what the Lord's called me to do. He's saying, listen, look up. There's a whole big world out there. But it requires you to follow hard after him, to trust him, to step out when he calls you. And so as we do that, this amazing promise that he has this reward waiting for us. In the book of Revelation, it says this, in Revelation 22, 12, he says, Behold, and this is words in red, just so you know, people, this is Jesus. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. So for us in our lives, the world is passing away, but those eternal rewards that we get when we do anything for the Lord. He says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, right? You get a reward for that. So whatever it is that God's calling you to do when we run hard after him, when we choose to trust him, when we choose to step out of our comfort zone and step out onto that ledge and say, okay, God, I am getting ready to step off this cliff and I am trusting that as I do that, you're going to put that step down, just like Indiana Jones, right? When he had to like cross that big chasm, every step, the step appeared. But the reality of it is that it's a blessed life too. It's not like you and I have to walk around like, I'm serving the Lord, you know, and I had to leave everything. And it's not that. Yeah, do I have days where I cry, where I miss home, where I miss my family? You better believe I do. You know, do I have days where my kids, I miss them being in purple and gold, you know, and I dreamed of them playing Joshua Springs football from the time they were little, you know, and when my 13-year-old tell me, Mom, if I was at Joshua Springs right now, I'd be playing tackle football. You know that? That's hard. I'm not going to lie. I miss my family. My brother had a baby. I didn't meet him until he's nine months old. You know, I mean, these kind of things. But yeah, it, there's hard stuff. But the reality is that the joy of doing what God's called you to do far outweighs those moments of heartache or those hard things that we go through or the things that, that, that do hurt our hearts. And I want you to turn me, if you would, to Mark chapter 10. In Mark chapter 10, this is the story of the rich young ruler. A lot of you are probably familiar with that. I'm going to read it to you first, and we'll talk about it just for a minute. It says in verse 17, it says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I want you to underline that before we start talking. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here's this rich young ruler, and he comes to Jesus, and he was a good man, right? He followed all of these rules. He had followed all these commandments, and yet Jesus looked into this man's heart, and he saw his heart condition. He said, one thing you lack, 
And for this young man, his one thing was covetousness. He had lots of possessions, and his possessions had possessed him. And so Jesus, looking at this man, sees his heart and says, this one thing you lack. Go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. And the reality is, as you look at this, the reality is each one of us has something that holds us back from serving the Lord. Maybe it's many things, but you know, we could be that person who's like, I do good. I go to church and I pray and you know, I'm doing fine. However, in your heart, you know that God is calling you to more. You know that God is calling you to step out in an area or to start a ministry or hey, maybe even to move. I don't know, but you know that God's calling you to do something, but you, you hold back because you're good enough. You know, I mean, I go to church and I, and I, you know, I even go to ladies Bible study, you know, but the reality is, you know, and I know that God's calling you to do more, but we have those things that hold us back when he calls. And that was this young man. He had done a lot of good things, yet he had a thing. And Jesus saw it and he said, listen, here's the problem. Something is stopping you from following me and you need to get rid of it. That's the solution here. Get rid of it. And in your life, I don't know what thing is stopping you from following Jesus fully. I do not know if it is your job. I don't know if it's your husband. I don't know if it's your kids. I don't know what it is in your life that holds you back. I don't know if it's your time. I don't know. But you know what God does? And you do. And he looks right in your heart and he says, Lydia, this one thing, this one thing is holding you back. This one thing is tripping you up. This one thing you have to get rid of in your life so you can follow hard after me. And the reality is that Jesus loved him. I want you to understand that because it seems like a hard thing that God's calling him to do, right? I mean, go sell everything that you have. But yet you have to realize that phrase. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Jesus wasn't devising a plan to ruin this young man's life. Okay, I want you to know that. I think sometimes we think God is like that. You're trying to ruin my life. This is why you're doing this to me or why you're calling me to this. But the reality is Jesus loved him. And it was his best interest that, interest that he had in mind. And he gave him these instructions. And to be honest, you know what? I don't even really think Jesus would have made him follow through with it. I don't think Jesus would have even had him go sell everything that he had. Maybe he would have, but the reality of it is it was a test. It was a test to say, what thing are you not willing to give up to follow me? And the reality of it is for us, you know, as I was thinking about that one thing, and he was testing him to see if he was willing to follow him, if he was willing to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. Think about the story of Abraham and, and Isaac for a minute. You remember the story. Abraham and Sarah had waited, we're not really quite sure, I think somewhere around 40 years for a promised child from the Lord, right? God had come to them and said he's going to bless them with a child, and years and years and years go by, no child. Sarah's well past the age of bearing children, right? And she gets pregnant at what, 80 years old, okay? She gets pregnant. So you are nothing, Danielle, wherever you are. <laughs> you are in your prime, sister. <laughs> But she finally has this long-awaited son, right? And then you get to Genesis 22. And God tells Abraham to take his son, his only son, whom he loved, and take him up to a mountain and sacrifice him. Now, if you don't know the ending to the story, you think, God, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Why would you ask Abraham to take his son, his only son, whom he loved, who he waited for his whole life, up to a mountain and kill him? It makes 
no sense, right? If you don't know the ending of the story, but what happens, right? They get up on the mountain. And you know what's so interesting about that story? Is it says that Abraham rose early in the morning and took his son Isaac in obedience to God. This is why we call him the father of faith, right? Because it's an amazing testimony of faith to take his son, who probably was 33 years old, and take him up to this mountain and kill him. You know the story. He builds the altar, ties up Isaac, he lays him on the altar, he's getting ready to kill him, and the Lord says, wait, stop, do not harm your son. And then he says, look over there. And over there in the thicket was a ram caught in the bushes. And Jesus provided a sacrifice. Never had the Lord intended for Abraham to kill his only son whom he loved. But why did he ask Abraham to do that? I'll tell you why it tells us in Genesis chapter 22. It, it, we were studying this a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, and this phrase, it says it twice, and it just so jumped out at me. In Genesis 22:12, he says this, and Jesus says, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And then he repeats himself in verse 16, and he says, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and you have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, and as the sandwiches on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. And that phrase just hit me. He did not withhold his son, his only son, whom he loved from the Lord. That was his most precious possession. And yet, he trusted God enough to not withhold his only son, whom he waited and waited for, who was an answer to prayer, and yet he was willing to give his only son to the Lord, if that's what he asked him to do. And it's an amazing thing, because I think so often when God calls us to do something, we feel like we're losing something. You know, and so often we are willing to, to give up so many things, but not that. That's just, I got to draw the line there. Because the reality is, what do you hold the closest to you? Your most precious possessions, right? We hold those very close to our hearts. And it doesn't always make sense what God is calling us to do. At the beginning of the story, you go, God, what are you doing? But the reality of it is, here's, here's the reality. God knew what he was doing before Abraham ever did, right? God had a plan from Isaac, from the day he gave Abraham the promise. And he knew the plan never included sacrificing Isaac. However, it did include testing Abraham to see if Abraham trusted him enough with even his most precious possession, his son. And in that, God did have a plan that we, Isaac would, would live and that Isaac would be the one who would start all the tribes of Israel. And it's an amazing story, right? God's plan for him. But for us in our lives, the reality is God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my kids' life. God has a plan for my husband's life. But sometimes you run into these moments where he tests your faith and where he says, do you trust me even with your most precious possession? And the reality is it's not because God hates you or God's mad at you or God wants to punish you. It says that God loves you. But the reality of it is you don't follow someone who you don't trust, right? If I don't think you know where you're going, I don't want to follow you. The reality of it is that we won't trust the Lord unless we are willing to, to entrust our lives to him. So it's not that he wants to take stuff away from your life. I want you guys to know that. God does not want to take things away from you, but what does he want from you? 
He wants you to entrust them to him. Not to take them away from you, but to entrust them back to him. And I want to tell you, your kids, your life, your spouse is always in better hands with the Lord than they are with you. I promise you. Why is that? Because God loves your spouse more than he loves you. And God loves your kids more than he loves you. And God loves you. And so when he says, Lydia, I need you to go. And I need you to step out. And it may feel like you're losing something right now. But do you really trust me? Do you trust me with even those most precious things in your life? And I promise you, he will prove himself faithful every time. But I'll tell you what, you and I always consider the cost, do we not? I always consider the cost, I'll tell you that. Whenever there's anything that comes up that doesn't require me, <laughs> I consider the cost, you know? What is this going to, but I'll tell you one thing I have a hard time in trusting the Lord with, and that's my time. Because I'm kind of selfish with my time, I like my time, you know, and ministry requires time. Okay, it just does. When God calls you, do anything. I don't care what it is, it will require some of your time. And I'll tell you what, in my own life, I'm just telling you my things, okay? We're going through things now. Once you start thinking about what your things are. But for my thing, oftentimes it's my time. I have a hard time entrusting the Lord with my time because I tell him, the Lord, I'm already so busy, don't you know? And the reality is that, you know what, when I say, okay, Lord, here's my time, here's my day, here's my life, here's my week. Do with it what you want. You know what happens? He multiplies my time. It, go, it goes so much better than when I try to plan out my day or I try to organize my life. When I entrust my time to him. The other thing for me, it's my kids. I have a hard time trusting the Lord with my kids. And you know what? It did cost my kids to move to Tula. It did. I'm not going to lie. You know, my kids had a very comfortable life in Yucca Valley. And they miss home. You know, they miss their grandparents. They miss their friends. And, uh, and... I miss the safety of them being in a nice little Christian school where they're going to get raised up in Bible teaching and all these things. I miss those things, and they do too. But the reality is that God loves them more than I do. And God has a plan for them, and it's in Tooele. Why is that? Because I'm in Tooele. Because he clearly called us to go there. So the Lord's plan for my boys' life from the beginning, mine may have been that they were going to play lightning football in high school, and we were never going to leave, and they were graduating from Christian high school. But his plan never was that. That was my plan. And you know what? He said, entrust me with your boys. And it is hard at times for me. It was like when we first moved there, I wanted to die. I was like, wanted to die. We were, um, a, we had just started church not long ago, and we had uh, this little prayer request box in the back. We had these little cards. And so everybody had gone from church but me, and I was locking up, and I decided, oh, I better check the prayer request box. So I grab it, and I walk out the door, and I get in my car, and I go, and there's only one. And I pull it out, and I can see that it's my son Luke's handwriting. And he's like, dear Lord, I just pray that you'd help me make friends here in Tooele, and I miss my family, and da-da-da-da-da. And I just started bawling. I called my dad. I'm like, oh, my gosh. My 10-year-old my son is writing, you know, prayer requests and putting them in the box for friends. <laughs> like, this is so sad. <laughs> and just recently, we were, it was, uh, he's my one, my oldest. He's my one who's kind of had the hardest time, um, you know, making friends and things like that. He's older, and it's a little bit harder the older that you get. And so we're, we're driving another day and he was kind of having a bummer day and his brother had friends and he didn't and he was just going, I don't have any friends. And I, you know, and then a few minutes later he's like, I don't have any friends. And I was like, you do honey. And I'm like, listen off kids in church and stuff. Yeah, I don't have any friends that can hang out. You know, he's kind of just having a bummer day. And it really did break my heart. I was just, you don't want to see your kids unhappy, you know? And I'm just like, I want to fix it for him and I want to make it better. And so I just, I'm on my morning walk and I'm praying and I'm just seeking the Lord. I'm like, Lord, 
you know, he is your son, but come on now, throw him a bone, you know, he's lonely, and he's, <laughs> he is needing a friend, you know, bring him a good Christian friend, please, and it was so neat, because, um, that day, I was that, that I had been on my walk. I go to work, and my phone is like ringing from the same number. And it was a friend of Luke's who he hadn't talked to in months and months and months. And so I call Chris. I'm like, "Hey, Peyton's calling Luke. Have him call Peyton." And and it was that very day that Peyton calls. Like, "Hey, I want to know if Luke could hang out." And Luke was like, "Yeah, you know, he's so excited." And Sunday comes, and we're eating dinner, and it had been a couple of days. And he's like, "Mom, you know what?" I'm like, "What?" He's like, "God answers prayers." And I was like, why, yes, he does. <laughs> why do you say that? And he goes, because I had been praying for a friend, and the very day Peyton called to see if I could hang out. And I was just like, God, you are so good. You are so good. You know, even in those moments where I start to go, ah, you know, and I panic as a mom, the Lord says, do you trust me? Are they mine? Do you really entrust them to me? Do I have a plan for them? And the reality is that he does. They are my most precious possession. But you know what? God has a plan for my sons. And as we look at this, it, this ends with an amazing promise back in Mark in our scripture as we close here. In Mark, if you jump with me down to verse 29, it says, So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's sake who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters, mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. If God is calling you to step out in something and you are afraid, read this verse. Because I'll tell you, this is the verse that ministered to me so many times at that pastor's wives retreat. No one will leave houses or father or mother or lands or anything for my sake that I will not repay a hundred times. Not in the next life. Read it, ladies. It says, in this life. And I'll tell you what, God was faithful to my parents. We had surrogate grandparents. We had surrogate aunts and uncles. People who loved us like their own family. People who treated us like their own grandchildren. God always provided for us these amazing promises above and beyond what we could have dreamed or imagined. And I want to tell you, I hang on to that for my kids. I know that God is going to provide grandparents and people who are going to love them like their own and friends and all these things. And God has provided us a beautiful house there to a wonderful friends, so many sisters and brothers in Christ. It's awesome to see God keep his promises. And then it goes on and there's this little part in there though. Um, and, and as you, well, let's, let's read verse, uh, it's the end of 30. It says, and in the age to come eternal life. Cause I'll tell you the best part is not houses and brothers and all that kind of stuff. The best part about following the Lord is eternal life. That's the real reward. God takes care of you here in this life. God has taken care of me here in this life. But I'll tell you what, the real, real reward is that eternal life that we have with him. And as you look at those things, you know, I, it was neat because I know uh, somebody else had shared it. I think it was uh, um, Friday night, but it said, it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? That God's heart for you is not to, to have you lose something or ruin your life or, you know, strip you of all your time or drain you of all your energy or whatever sometimes we feel. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man what God has planned for you. Because his plans are so much better than ours. And I'll tell you, that all culminates in heaven when we get to stand before the Lord. Because I'll tell you, nothing on this side of, of glory is going to be worthy to compare what we have in heaven. But there is a little phrase in there, and I can't, I can't teach as much without pointing it out. It says, with persecutions, okay? So following him is not always easy. 
It's not. It's not like peaches and roses. That's my saying. It's not always peaches and roses. You know, ministry is not always easy. There, there have been some real heartache since we moved to Seoul. There has been spiritual battle. There have been persecutions, you know. There have been hard things since we went there. So I'm not saying if you follow the Lord, he's going to lead you on this path. You're never going to have to face anything. It's always going to be rosy and sunshiny, okay, because it's not. <laughs> Following him, sometimes you got to go through the brambles and the brush, and then you get a little scratched up here and there. But the reality of it is that you look at, like, look at this story. So the rich young ruler, we don't even know his name, right? He's not even mentioned. But who do you name your kids after? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? What were they? Hmm, they were disciples. If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You see, there is a difference between being a believer and a disciple. Being a believer is one thing. Being a disciple, it's a little bit harder. Ask the disciples, they'll tell you when you get to heaven. <laughs> it comes with persecution. However, I guarantee you on that side of glory, not one of them regret the decision that they made to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Jesus. And I'll tell you, we won't either. We will never regret that choice. Because the reality of it is that, you know what, life, okay, that word L-I-F-E, the middle word there is if. If any man desires to come after me, if you choose to live your life for Jesus Christ, following him, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when, no matter what, I promise you it will be a blessed life. Why? Because he loves you. Because he's good. Because he is that good shepherd. And the reality is that he knows better than you know. And he's saying, Lydia, do you trust me? Even with your most precious possessions. What are those things? And I do want you guys to really think about this tonight. What are those things that keep you from moving on with the Lord? What are those things in your life that are stumbling blocks for you? Where you get to that point and you say, oh, this is far enough. I'm good. And you won't go any further because I'll tell you what, he has more for you. There is this abundant, joyful, amazing life of faith when we follow in his footsteps, when we are following hard after him. And I'll tell you what, when you're following hard after him, you're not going to turn to the left. You're not going to turn to the right because you're right on his heels and you're going where he's going. And it is a blessed life. And so for us, you know, it's so neat that they use that song because I had it in my notes here. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. And it's so amazing. What is that, those things in our life? And that's really kind of where I want to leave you guys tonight is where, what are those things in our life that are holding us back? Are there things in your life that you just haven't really fully surrendered to the Lord? Because tonight's the night to say, Lord, I know it's not always easy to follow you, but you know what? I do know that you keep your promises and that you love me and that I will never, ever give up one thing in this life that you will not repay a hundred times now and in eternity. And I want to live my life shine and bright for the Lord because there is a whole lot of lost people out there who need you who need me, and God has given you gifts, and God has put you in a place, whether it be your work or your town or your neighborhood or whatever, and God wants to use those gifts. He wants to give you rewards for using those gifts, but it requires us to deny ourselves, to lose sight of our plans and our goals and our ambition and our things, and to follow him. Amen?
I'm going to leave you guys with this song because it's kind of like my life song. They're going to play it for me here in a minute. But take a few minutes. You can write your highlight down. And really just, I want you to listen to the words of this song because it is my anthem. It is my theme song. So if you'd play Lift My Life Up. this message of that song <laughs> thank you Lydia that was awesome and I know that yeah let's give it up for Lydia Woo! oh man haven't we just had some amazing amazing promises and hope and just uh, inspiration given to us oh that was awesome thank you and so now we're gonna go I know we're a little bit behind schedule but you know what? I know a little secret. None of you uh, got any place to go. <laughs> so, anyways, I know it's late, but don't don't give up. Um, this is the this is this is the home stretch of of awesomeness tonight. So let's um, let's gather around our group tables for our highlight time. We'll t we'll do about twenty minutes, okay? And then we'll go into the afterglow, okay? Awesome. <laughs> 